Whenever I explore research in equity work, either by reading or by talking to experts, I hear all kinds of updates in language and terms and vocabulary. And when I try to research the idea of language updates and terms and vocabulary, I read all kinds of articles and books about the difficulty inherent in accurate naming, and sometimes even acknowledgement that striving for right language itself is rooted in anxiety and perfectionism, and is also then part of the characteristics of white supremacy culture. So let me just start by saying, you want to talk about vocabulary, there is no easy way to talk about vocabulary. That said, I've learned some things that are interesting and I think are worth sharing. So here we go. Hey there, I'm Carol Shabrias, and I walked away from a 25-year career as a higher ed exec so that I could help you. I've had great bosses and shitty ones. I've been a good boss, and to be honest, probably a shitty one. I've learned a lot along the way, and now I share everything I've learned to help you be the kind of leader you've always wanted to follow. Each week, I share practical advice and research-based strategies to help make your job easier. Whether you're a seasoned faculty member, a new department chair, stepping into a new role on the cabinet, or just exploring your options and next steps, I'm here to help you align your professional aspirations, your personal values, and the leadership of your dreams. I'm so excited you're here. Thanks for listening to the Uplift Podcast. All right, so today is Vocabulary Day, and let me begin by saying I'm probably wrong about some things, so I hope you'll jump in and add better alternatives if you know them. In today's episode, I'm exploring and maybe even exploding some language use, some of it popular, some of it outdated, all in the spirit of encouraging improved accuracy, even while we recognize that language is a thing that is constantly in flux and frequently contested and always evolving. And it's pretty rare in the history of time, as our first year students like to say, that there has been a simple or totally right answer to anything language related. But you probably remember in episode 50, when I complained to Renee about organizations using the word diversity to mean not diversity, but racial diversity, and actually not even really racial diversity, but racial diversity as understood by referring to black people. So I recognize that this perspective might be particular to PWIs, predominantly white institutions, and so that might not resonate with everyone. Diversity on your campus might be used very differently than the way I was complaining about. But since we do live in a culture that privileges whiteness and its language choices, then I'm guessing regardless of what happens in particular at your current institution, some of what I'm going to talk about and some of the terms I'll discuss will resonate. So let's jump in. Let's start with underrepresented. So my PhD turns 20 this year. (laughs) My doctoral training is pretty dated. But underrepresented was a much-used term back in my training days. The big challenge with underrepresented, as is true of many of the words I'm going to offer up replacements for today, is that it naturalizes the dominance of whiteness. It naturalizes the perspective of a dominant white culture. 
the term has been used to refer to groups with minimal representation, right? Like we don't see many of that group and therefore they are underrepresented. But it gives the impression that the responsibility is on the small group to get itself bigger, which isn't really true. So instead of underrepresented, try underrecognized. This word puts the onus back where it belongs, on the system and the people perpetuating the system that establishes whiteness as the norm and the majority, right? That's what the problem is. The problem is the naturalizing of the perspective. There's a good piece about this. It's fairly short, fairly easy to read in the Harvard Business Review called Why We Should Quit Saying Underrepresented, and I will drop a link to that in the show notes. Another possible corrective to the term underrepresented, in addition to underrecognized, is the phrase historically excluded. So that again is a phrase that puts the onus on the dominant perspective and classifies that the group's presence isn't what's at question, but the recognition of the group by folks maintaining the dominant ideology is where the problem is. Okay, number two, let's drop minority and especially the nonsensical phrase majority minority, which I have totally never understood. I mean, I understand what's meant, but it doesn't really make sense, right? Like you can't be both. This is another place where we can shift the lens to decenter whiteness. The term minoritized puts the responsibility for the perspective back on the system, back on systemic racism, back on the people perpetuating the system. And like underrecognized and also historically excluded, the word minoritized puts accountability on the people and the systems doing and saying and naming. You can even go further than minoritized and use the phrase historically minoritized. Renee Wells even introduced us, well, she introduced me at least to the term multiply minoritized, which you've probably heard me trip over a few times as I've tried to say it out loud in the last few weeks. It's worth noting here, though, that at least in the U.S., many historically excluded and historically minoritized groups are still excluded and still minoritized. So while it's a mouthful, you could use the phrase historically and still minoritized groups, or if you like the excluded term, you could use the phrase historically and structurally excluded groups. So historically and still minoritized, historically and structurally minoritized, or swap out minoritized and excluded. It's the historically and structurally prefaces. What are those adverbs that really matter? Okay, and in the spirit of my comment to Renee, which is where kind of the idea of dropping the word minority comes from, what about dropping the general term diversity in favor of being more explicit and more specific? So identity diversity is a phrase that takes at least one step in indicating what kinds of diversity is being referred to, although, of course, it elides any kind of diversity that's not grounded in identity. But identity diversity is a phrase that can be helpful when you're with a group that wants to acknowledge that any group, every group has diversity, right? Which is true. We tend to have different values, experiences, practices, beliefs, different hair color, whatever. Lots of things that aren't really related to our identity, but are still representative of difference. So identity diversity gives us a way to acknowledge that cognitive diversity is real and valuable. We care about it. But maybe at this particular moment, it's not the kind of diversity we want to talk about because we're trying to talk about racial diversity or religious diversity or generational diversity. 
right? So like getting an adjective there in front of the word diversity is what I'm really, I think, maybe kind of trying to argue for here. Although I don't feel totally confident in it, but it's a step. What I really want here though, and maybe you can help me with this, is like I want a clear term that is all-encompassing and yet isn't reduced to a euphemism. So if you know of a great substitute for diversity that hasn't been co-opted as a euphemism, I would love to hear about it. Okay, here's another one. This one came from a comment Jane made in one of our recent podcasts. Microaggression versus violence. So Jane mentioned this, I think, back in episode 47, the idea that microaggressions are experienced by the people who are receiving them as a form of violence. The Harvard Business Review recently published a piece called We Need to Retire the Term Microaggression, and that article argues in part that the preface micro minimalizes the actual harm produced against people who experience these aggressions in a daily and cumulative sort of way. When we were talking on the podcast, Jane noted that if people experience microaggressions as a form of violence, then we should actually just call those behaviors violent. And this is akin to what Ibram Kendi advocates when he says, let's use the word abuse or even the phrase racist abuse. Somewhere in between that, somewhere on the spectrum of violence to racial abuse is the gentler phrase, subtle acts of exclusion which comes from a book by Tiffany Jana called Subtle Acts of Exclusion, How to Understand, Identify, and Stop Microaggressions. Another more gentle phrase kind of in the spirit of subtle acts of exclusion is the frame exclusionary behaviors. So that's an interesting piece in the HBR. I'll drop a link to that as well in the show notes. All right, another contrast, privilege versus entitlement. In our book discussion group talking about Regina Jackson and Syra Rao's book, White Women, someone brought up the shift from white privilege to white entitlement. And I think it's really useful to consider the difference between white privilege, which is something conferred on white people as a result of their skin color, which is something that people don't generally have control over, and white entitlement, which is an internal perception, not really an external framing device. So I think it's easiest to see the shift when we think about students. We can think about privileged students without blaming them for their backgrounds. But our entitled students, those students who want something for nothing or who believe they deserve something or who think they should get an improved grade because they attended all the classes or whatever, it's that sense of entitlement that we really typically as teachers take umbrage with. So the phrase white privilege, I think, is useful when describing social factors at work, while white entitlement is useful when we're framing a white person's sense of quote-unquote natural or deserved expectation or merit. One last comparison for today, ally and accomplice. Now, personally, I have always liked the term ally, especially once I thought about it in terms of green dot training and the importance of preparing people ahead of time to step into a situation with the skills, the strategies, the language, the physical behaviors to interrupt something that's happening that is harming someone. So I still think the word ally has its place. You think of it as being ready to step in and interrupt a thing that is happening in the moment. For example, we can be allies in meetings when we interrupt a conversation or a pattern of behaviors that is actually harming someone else in the room or even not in the room, but it's harming someone in the moment. Accomplice, I think, is in some ways a better word, but different. It's better in that it refers to actions that seek to dismantle structural oppression. So we're not just interrupting a little thing, we're actually trying to undo a big thing. I don't really want it to replace ally, but I think it can live next to ally as a way of broadening our understanding of our intent. 
So you can be an ally in a meeting in the moment, and you can be an accomplice when instead of interrupting a a comment in a meeting, you're revising a policy, for example, to reduce the harm that it might perpetuate. So this is a pretty short and incomplete list, but I think it's a good start. Underrepresented versus underrecognized, minority versus minoritized, and alongside minoritized, you can use words or phrases like historically excluded or structurally excluded or historically and structurally excluded. Diversity versus specific fill in your adjective here diversity, right? So identity diversity is one way to get it a kind of an umbrella term, but also being more specific counts, racial diversity, religious diversity, etc. Microaggression versus violence, or microaggression versus abuse, privilege versus entitlement, and ally in conjunction with accomplice. There are so many words and phrases not addressed here. I've got another episode coming in a few weeks that takes this concept and extends it outward specifically into the realm of higher ed as an industry, definitely focused on inclusionary language but thinking about how we include and exclude in higher ed through practices and policies in ways that might not look like diversity as it's traditionally understood on a college campus. So that's coming. But in the meantime, I would love to hear the words and phrases you think I missed, the words and phrases and ideas you are using and tossing around and experimenting with. I'd love to hear your questions. I'd love to know what word you really want to replace, but you don't know with what. So please hit me up with your questions and comments. You can go to the show notes on the website, which kind of lives like a blog. You can leave a comment directly there. You can email me directly at carol at theclariogroup.com. You can drop me a message on any social media platform. But one way or another, shout out and let me know what I've missed and what words and phrases you can share with others. And I don't know if you can hear that, but that's bacon. So I'm thinking it's dinner time. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for starting this journey of working through this with me. And I will catch you next time. Meanwhile, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of The Uplift, the podcast dedicated to elevating and amplifying women's leadership in higher education. Take a moment to follow. You can find me over on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also find all previous episodes with transcript, show notes, and links at my website, www.theclariogroup.com. And hey, I see you with your phone open. Come connect with me on social. You can follow the Clario Group on LinkedIn or Facebook. You can also just follow me and you'll see all the Clario Group content. And once you've followed, please drop me a DM to say hi. I'd like to know you're there. All right, that's it. I will see you next week. Same time, same place for the next episode of The Uplift. Bye for now.